Hey, good morning, y'all. That last song that we did is appropriately called the thank you song. And I just, yeah, stepping into this, want to say thank you. Thank you for all of the ways, y'all, that you are loving with the heart of Jesus. It comes from a place of first encounter with the heart of Jesus, but then expressing the heart of Jesus. And a few things I just want to say thank you for is over the, the past few weeks, y'all, you have been tangibly expressing the heart of Jesus in some very powerful and mighty ways. One is just, many of you know that there are folks in our community who are being housed, and that is a tremendous gift and a tremendous blessing to be in a shelter. But what we find is folks who are being housed, especially if they are coming from um, one of our local shelters or from the street, is that there's no furniture. Um, and so because of your love and your generosity, we've been able to house several folks just over the past few weeks, and we have, have another one this week, as Joel mentioned earlier, I believe. Um, in that also strangely warmed, y'all have been giving coats and hats and gloves so that we can help keep folks safe and warm through this winter season. And I promise the heat is on in here. Um, it is, <laughs> it may not feel like it from where you are. Um, so if, if, yeah, you need to huddle closer together, I understand. It is a little cooler in here than anticipated this morning. But y'all, so many people giving. And this past Monday, it, we were able to take the love bus out and, and meet folks where they are to provide coats and hats and gloves and all of those things. So thank you for making that possible. And thank you for the ways that you have been and are giving to enable us to do things like we're doing this afternoon to help provide a meal for the folks at Camelot Village who many have been flooded out of their apartments. You know, one of them, you know, um, our friend Donna um, is, is one of those residents. And um, so she is kind of our, our um, voice on the ground there to tell us what's happening. And, and even to be there the night that the fire department actually went in to help get them out of their apartment when it was flooding. Um, Y'all, to see the response of this community in that moment, to meet people in that moment of tragedy, to provide for their needs. And so, y'all, in all the ways, we just say thank you. And I want to just pause and pray right now for our friends, both who are experiencing the worst of this cold in our community, and also those folks who are displaced. Um, many of them at Camelot Village are folks who are of lower income, um, many with disabilities, and so folks displaced from their apartments um, who are also dealing with walkers and wheelchairs and, and things like that. So there are many needs in that community. We just want to pray over them. So um, let's, let's just pause right now and pray for them together. Lord Jesus, you meet us right where we are. And so as we together as a church community are here in this place in the varsity, together as a community, God, we just want to lift our hearts and our voices together on behalf of those who are in great need right now, whether they are exposed to the cold, God, and the weather, being unsheltered, 
or working through the process of, of emergency shelters or, or getting longer-term housing, God, we just pray that you meet each of them where they are today and in this week ahead, Lord, just to take next steps for safety and for their health. And Lord, for those, our neighbors at Camelot Village, who we get to meet, some of us get to connect with this afternoon, and I just pray that you go before them and in the repairs of their apartment in yeah, just this season of, of being displaced from their home. God, just bring them comfort and bring them peace. And God, we pray your provision over them. So Lord, as we continue on, just continue to burden our hearts for the needs of our community, the needs of, of one another, even in this room. But God, that we can be a tangible expression of your heart in this place that as we get to see your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, you're mobilizing us. As we love you deeply, we get to pour out that love that we have experienced from your heart. It is in your mighty and holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all, we are on an invitation to a journey today. You're going to get to witness and experience the call of the disciples through the gospel of Mark. So as we are being invited into this journey today, both to witness and experience it, um, I shared with you a couple weeks ago that my calendar for 2024 is a calendar of dad jokes. So there's a dad joke for every day of the year. Um, and it's amazing. Somehow, though, that the ones that fall on Sunday seem to be involve something around the French or France. And so I don't know if you heard about the French cheese factory that exploded. There was nothing left but debris. That, that was a sophisticated dad joke. Thank you for those of you who, who met me in that. Um, and since we're on a journey, um, I don't know if you heard what George Washington said to his men just before they crossed the, the Delaware. Ironically, it's actually the same thing that Jesus said to the disciples right before they crossed the Sea of Galilee. Get in the boat. <laughs> One more, because we are talking about fishermen today, I have to go here. You know why you cannot trust a fisherman? They're always angling for something. I know, that, that's the want, want, like, it's a dad joke. It had to, like, it had to land there. So, friends, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read from the Gospel of Mark. Oh, thank, you. thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read from God's Word today. We are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Uh, we're actually going to read two, two sections from Mark today. So, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 3 and go 13 through 19. So, if you have your phones or you want to read along on the screen, um, I will we'll read this for us. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. 
The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And then jumping to chapter 3. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerys, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, Iscariot, who betrayed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So an invitation to witness and experience the journey, the calling of the disciples. It's a journey of becoming becoming like Jesus. And so here in this passage, we have Jesus on the scene proclaiming the good news of God. That's God's good news. The epic proportions of what is being proclaimed, we cannot begin to overstate. That the one who was in the beginning who spoke all of creation into existence, who saw the brokenness and the fall in the garden. This is the one who has arrived and is proclaiming that the rescue plan that God had from the beginning is unfolding in this time. The time has come, he says. So that brings up for me the time for what, right? The time for what? The time has come. It is the time that was anticipated. So let's do this. I'm going to say the time has come. You say the time for what, okay? The time has come. Well done. Let's do that again. The time has come. The time that you have been waiting for. My friends, this is what Jesus is proclaiming, the time that was expected and anticipated, the time that you've been waiting for has come. The Greek word here for time is kairos. We're not talking chronos like what we got on our watch. Kairos is this idea of an appointed or ordained time that is set by God, that is set from from the beginning, that is expected and anticipated. So the hearers of this, as Jesus is proclaiming, they are expecting an arrival. 
This time ordained by God has come. So this is the time that you've been waiting for. That the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is the whole of creation, not just the world, not just the universe, but all of the cosmos that was spoken into existence. The kingdom of God. And the very one who spoke it into existence is here. Dominion over the whole creation is held by the one who is there proclaiming that the kingdom has come. The power is on the scene. The one who holds it all is on the scene. And so this kingdom of God idea that maybe feels far off because of the way of the world, that the people in first century Israel probably aren't feeling a whole lot like the kingdom of God is near. But Jesus has showed up proclaiming that the very dwelling place of God, the dwelling place of the Most High, that has maybe seemed far off for quite some time, it's now here overlapping with this time and space, the right here and right now as we like to say around here. The kingdom of heaven overlapping with earth right here and right now. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. What Jesus is proclaiming where in this kingdom that is coming, it turns things upside down. Where the last shall be first, the first shall be last. Where the least is the greatest, and the greatest is the least. And where in order to find your life, you must lose it. This idea of the new beginning, reimagining the new beginning, the kingdom of God being at hand, the kingdom of God being upside down, is actually just one of the layers that is in our series graphic. In this, the idea of Jesus inviting us into this journey to give us eyes to see the realities of the kingdom at hand. So you all know I like to get on the water any chance I get, right? And so Jordan Lake is my go-to. And um, early morning, especially sunrise, paddleboard adventure. Even in the winter, yes, that's my jam, okay? That's where I'm at. And so just um, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to um, catch a sunrise. And so this series graphic is actually built off of one of the pictures of the sunrise. I got Hannah, will you go to the next picture? This is the actual picture. So a little AI help on the, uh, the series graphic, bringing it a little bit of the, uh, the painting kind of look. But this is the actual picture right before the sun comes up. And Hannah, will you go to the next one? So then to catch the sun actually popping up over the trees, but the beautiful thing, as the sun is coming up above the trees, it's also coming out onto the water. The reflection here to see 
to see that reflected um, is both blinding and <laughs> incredibly beautiful. I did take those pictures. Thanks, Candy. <laughs> uh, y'all, let's go to the next, next picture. This is, uh, I think, actually, the moon was up there. Um, yes. <laughs> hey, Ricky. That's right. We're going to be springing forward all too soon. Uh, but in, in this, so looking into the lake, you know, this, this was after the sun was up for a little bit. It just hit me as we're looking, right? Like I can see the reality of these trees right in front of me. And it's absolutely gorgeous, but stunning right below it, the reflection into the water, it looked like I could just step into that place, almost otherworldly, right? That I can see what looks maybe a little bit distorted below, right? That's got the ripples on the water, the reflection right there. And then it just like all of this hit me in that moment of like, wait, this is what the kingdom is like. Right? We see a reality right here and right now that is the trees above the water. And it looks like there is a, right, the, the reflection looks distorted. But what if our view right now of reality and what is happening is actually what's distorted? What's below the surface? What is inside the kingdom that is veiled for us? That is an even greater reality. A greater reality that is unfolding. And when we have eyes to see the kingdom of God at hand, there are better days ahead. There are better ways that we are being invited into. And when I have that view of this moment, right, just representing for me in right, all that my brain can comprehend in this moment, I just want to jump in, right? I want to jump in to that reality, into the water, though it was a little cold, so I stayed on the board in this case. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I go in, and it's cold um, this time of year. But y'all, so there are always just... There are always layers in our series graphics in, like, in what, what we are pursuing together. So feel free, like you can analyze those things, dig into them a little bit. What's going on there? What's the deeper reality? But this series graphic for us, just giving us a little bit of a picture, right? This why in the graphic, it's actually the, the text below the water is a little brighter. <laughs> it's a little bolder that that is actually the invitation for us into the new beginning, the new beginning of the kingdom coming in this place as it is in heaven. And so Jesus comes along proclaiming. And in Mark 1.15, he's saying, here's how you enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is at hand. Here's how you get there. Here's how you participate in it. You repent and believe. This invitation to repent and believe. It echoes actually what we're going to hear him say to the disciples in just a moment. Come and follow. 
repent and believe. There's these two Greek words under the surface right there. Metaneo, which is to repent, and pisteo, which is to believe. The deepness in this, though, right? We've talked about for a couple of weeks because John was proclaiming to repent as well, right? And so the idea of turning, right, from going this way, repenting, is actually to reorient 180 degrees, right? To turn and go the other direction. The connotation to go back to God. But pisteo, right? To believe. It's often something that we, we try to grasp in our minds, that there is some mental assent to a set of truths. That that is often, right? We're, we're in our mind trying to express, believe, that it can be such a heady thing. But pisteo also means, and in this case is, to trust, right? To trust in the one who is inviting us to repent and believe, to metaneo and pisteo. It's describing the act of trusting something on the basis of its truthfulness and reliability. And so Jesus is making that invitation. This is how we encounter and participate in the kingdom of God. To believe, to trust, to reorient our lives from the way things are, the direction we're going, to God's direction, to the way we should go. So we're on the scene on the side of the Sea of Galilee, the where, who, we've got the fishermen. Y'all, the Sea of Galilee is a place where people fish. And so who's hanging out there but some fishermen? And what is happening? Jesus sees these fishermen and he calls them out with this invitation to come and follow me. In order to follow someone, we have to put some trust in them right? In order to follow, there has to be trust. And so to come follow is to reorient from the way things are, the direction that we're going, to this way, where Jesus is inviting us to follow along with him. And so it says at once or straight away, directly, they drop their nets, right? Simon and Andrew let go of their nets. They're open-handed so that they can let go. But in order to pick up anything else, they also have to be open-handed, right? To pick up what is next. The imagery here or the symbolism that comes, right? These are fishermen and so they have nets. But what does a net do? A net entangles things, right? Its whole purpose is to entangle or to gather. And so in order to follow, in order to follow Jesus, they have to let go of those things that are entangling them with the way things are so that they can go the, 
to the way things should and could be. They're not taking a roundabout path, right? I love that they don't say, let me think about it. If it were me, I'm like, let me check my schedule and I will get back with you, right? Like that's the idea of just letting go and following. I'm like, will this take very long? Do, do I have a minute to like <laughs> prepare? Or maybe we're like, I actually like the, th- the way things are. <laughs> I don't want to change. Maybe, maybe I don't feel like something needs to be better. Or I want to see how this path goes first. Right? These are folks that Jesus encounters who realize the need for a better way that they are anticipating and they are expecting the time that has come. They are expecting the one who had set all things right. It has been a long time coming, friends, but they were ready. John prepared the way, right? And they were ready. Are we ready? So he calls Simon and Andrew, and just a little further, the same scenario unfolds with James and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee. I love that Zebedee gets the mention here. He must have been known, right? Like, you get the sense that he, he maybe has a little bit bigger operation on the lake than, than Simon and Andrew did. So that Zebedee would be recognized, his sons stepping away from what could have been a fishing empire, right? To go and to follow Jesus. Y'all, I have to give a shout out to the chosen right here and commend it to you. If you have not yet watched the chosen, this is what it's all about. It is about the calling of the ones who are following Jesus. It's not just about Jesus, but it's about the ones who follow Jesus, the ones that Jesus chose. And so to give some real-life context of what it might have been like, you know, are there things that are not in the Bible, in the chosen? Yes. Are they filling in story lines? Yes. But are they conveying the heart of God in all of that? Are they staying true to the historical context? Are they piecing it together in a way that brings it to life for us? Yes. So if you have not yet watched it, I think Joel made the invitation earlier. Season four is about to come out in the theaters in just a couple weeks. You can binge Jesus, y'all. You can binge Jesus between now and February 3rd if you would like to catch up. It's, it would be a life-changing experience for you, I imagine. But this, it is the story, the story of Jesus calling us into this journey, the invitation that is being made. So this idea of letting go, leaving the nets behind, it's actually to the idea of, of abandoning a place or a thing 
in order to, in order to proceed with something else, right? It's making space. The disciples leaving their nets is actually a demonstration of what it means to repent and believe, to leave an old way of life behind and to pick up a new. So them leaving their nets, this demonstration for us. It is another way of Jesus showing us the way of the upside down kingdom, that it is different from this world. He calls his disciples to himself. You know, in first century, a rabbi is not going around calling other disciples to themselves. Those who want to be the disciple of a rabbi, of a teacher, are actually following that rabbi around just hoping, just hoping that the rabbi will say, yes, I will choose you. But the, the student or the disciple is actually trying to choose the rabbi. But in this case, Jesus shows us the upside-down kingdom where he is going out and pursuing the ones. He is in pursuit of those He's called to follow him. Spoiler alert, good news that he is pursuing you. So the disciple and rabbi relationship. The disciple is not just about following the teachings, but it's about physically, literally following that person around, doing what they do, eating what they eat, sleeping when they sleep, waking when they wake, following their every move to mimic what this rabbi does. And so the invitation then is to become fishers of people. Jesus is then fishing for those people. He is going to catch the people. And so the invitation to the disciples is the same. And that's what brings us to chapter 3 in Mark. Is that the disciples become apostles. Jesus calls them onto a mountainside, the twelve. And he calls them out to say, I don't want you to just follow me. I don't want you to just be my disciple but I am appointing you to be apostles. That is to say, you are my messengers. You are going out to spread this message, to spread this movement, giving them even the power to heal, to cast out demons, to do what he was doing. And he would send them out. So the 12, the intentional number of the 12 here. The 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 who endured, right, the fallen state of the world. Who were called, even throughout history, to be God's representative people in the world. But just like in the garden, the fallenness, the brokenness 
overwhelms. And so the intentional number of the 12 here to bring about the plan of redemption, the rescue plan that each of the 12 tribes being redeemed, being made perfect, that it is this invitation to be formed and to be like the one who made them, to be in holy communion with the Lord their God fulfilling all of the laws and the commandments that were handed down to them. One of the things that stands out to me about the 12 is just how perfect they all were. They had it all together. They were the dream team. Okay, not a chance, right? Like this is not at all the case. This is not the dream team that you would have picked if Jesus was looking for those who were prepared in, in, their, in the religious order, right? He would have gone to Jerusalem to be at the temple and calling out the best of the best there. But instead, he is in the Galilean countryside, on the side of a lake, calling fishermen. And this group, the 12 that are named here, all of them coming together with different ideas and understandings about how God was going to bring about this time that was expected, the redemption of God's people. Different understandings of how God was going to work for the salvation of this people and of the world. So we have a tax collector and a zealot. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Polar opposites for what their lives are about in their former way. Before they repent. One being completely against the ways of Rome. One working for Rome. Betraying his own people. But in the repenting turning from their old ways. They come together in the ways of Jesus. In this mix, there are fishermen. There are people with pride and ego issues. There are doubters. There are betrayers. And Jesus saw fit to bring this unlikely, eclectic, quirky group of people together to experience his life and his ministry together. But not just to experience it, but to participate in it and to practice it together. They couldn't know in that moment all that their journey would hold. But they learned to trust, to pisteo, to trust day by day. Not only would they be disciples, but then they would go on and make disciples. The great commission that Jesus gives them is to go and make disciples of all nations. And so on the other side of Jesus' resurrection, as he journeys through death to life on our behalf, 
the disciples learned to trust day by day by day. And so it is with us. As Jesus is calling us to follow, to trust his leadership over our lives. That we know what the disciples, the first disciples, did not know. That following Jesus means following him to death and through death so that we might follow in his resurrection. It's what we see in the waters of baptism. It's like last week as we were exploring Jesus' baptism, that Jesus would even foreshadow his own death and resurrection. In doing so, receiving the Holy Spirit that would empower his ministry as he is on earth. Joel, Pastor Joel and I got to step into the waters of baptism last Sunday. You step into those cold waters and you just kind of go numb from the waist down. It's just like you're in it. And so like, who else? Who else wants to go? (laughs) We're in the water. Let's do this. But y'all, there were two folks who felt and sensed the urgency of this need to turn from the way things are to this calling to follow Jesus into the way things could and should be. We see this. We know that following Jesus on this side of his resurrection means that we too, just like the disciples, are following him, dying to ourselves daily that we might trust in him and so attain the resurrection. So how do we follow him today? If Jesus, if you don't see Jesus standing in front of you, how do we follow him today? Friends, we're going to follow something in this life. We are going to follow something or someone. In my house this week, we've actually kind of set aside a space for prayer in our house. It's just set. So Riley and Avery and I kind of planned and and prepared this space that is just set aside for prayer. And I didn't, I didn't have any idea what Avery was doing in making just a small piece of art. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. But it says, pick him. Sorry, dead heart melt moment. Um, Pick him. If we're going to follow something or someone, pick him. And the beauty of that in recognizing when we pick him, realize he had already picked us. He had already picked us. He's already picked you. And so there's got to be relationship. That's how we follow, is through relationship. We must know him. We must know Jesus. And so we get there through the word. We get there through reading the life of Jesus, 
experiencing the life of Jesus and digging into the Old Testament and see that this was a story that was unfolding way back when all of creation was spoken into existence that meets us right where we are today and shows us the way forward. We set aside time. We set apart space for prayer. To listen to express our needs. I love it. Some, we've had multiple friends this morning who have just stepped in and said, I need prayer. Can you pray over me this morning? Just stepping in to know that this is a set-apart space that we can pray together. We can tangibly practice the ways, what we see Jesus doing when we tangibly express through acts of love and service. No, we are being shaped and we are being formed. We are building relationship with Jesus, being in community, coming into this space week after week together. That we're not only just sitting close together to keep each other warm when it's 50-something degrees in here, (laughs) but We are coming together to lift our voices, to lift our hearts, to share our burdens with one another, sharing life, sharing a table. So the same, all of that to build relationship, right? So that for us today, No matter what your current job or your vocation, whether you are a doubter or you are a betrayer, whether you're a believer or you are a teacher, you are invited first into discipleship. That Jesus invites you to metaneu and pisteo, to repent and believe, to reorient your life, to trust in the one who made you and came to rescue you. What are the nets in your life? What are the nets that you are holding in your hand that you need to let go of so that you can follow? The second invitation to us is to become a messenger. To move from being a disciple and just, I'd say just a follower, y'all, that's not a, (laughs) you can't be just a follower. It's a participation sport, right? right? It It is a team thing together when we are following Jesus. It is participatory. But to be a proclaimer, to be a messenger of the good news, you are invited into that, to tell the good news of Jesus. So as we turn our hearts to the time of response, I want to invite you to receive Jesus' invitation, the invitation to come follow, the invitation to go and tell. Friends, to repent and believe, to come and follow, to go and tell the good news. 
So as we come to the table today, we're reminded that it is with the 12, those 12 who gathered around the table with Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. Friends, he took the bread and he broke it there at the table to say, I know you don't get it yet, but this is my body broken for you. Take and eat of it. Do this in remembrance of me. And in taking the cup, this, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you and for the forgiveness of sin. Making a way, a way of rescue to turn from the way things are to the way things could and should be. Friends, the invitation to the table is for you to participate, that we are reminded that we participate with Jesus in his death. And in so doing, we're invited to participate in his resurrection to new life, to new beginnings today. If you would like someone to pray with you, I'm going to be right over here as you come to receive today. Tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. His body and his blood broken and poured out for you. And as you come, if you are ready to say, if you are ready to participate, to be a disciple, to be a follower. We would love to pray with you in that. And if you are hearing the invitation to go and tell the good news, to be a messenger of God, we want to pray with you in that as well. We invite you to respond to that. Maybe there's a coworker who needs to hear the good news. There's someone who needs the hope of Jesus that you know. You're ready to take that step. We'd love to pray with you in that. So Lord Jesus, meet us at your table as you you bless the bread and the cup, God, that in tasting we are seeing your goodness and your faithfulness and making a way for us, inviting us again today to take the next steps of faith. It is in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Friends, we invite you to come to the table. If you need a gluten-free option, that is available here as well.